You're listening to Cosmic Tonic. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, let me say that again. <clears throat> Cosmic Tonic. Hi, thanks for tuning in to Cosmic Tonic. In this episode, we're super excited to speak with our dear friend and amazing astrologer, Debbie Stapleton, on planetary remediation. If you're enjoying what we do, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star rating, write a review, or share the show with your friends. We greatly appreciate it. And now you can enjoy the show on YouTube. Please subscribe to our channel to enjoy a fun and dreamy VHS montage while listening in. Thanks for being here, and we hope you enjoy the show. So why don't we begin again also (laughs) by maybe you introducing yourself to the audience, who you are, who you have been, (laughs) or who you are now. Um, coming. <laughs> yeah, what you do, what you're focused on astrologically. Uh, okay, well, uh, hi everyone. My name is Debbie Stapleton. Um, I've been an astrologer for uh, quite a long time, actually. I got into it w- with Ernest um, back when I was in art school in the 90s. I'm Pluto and Libra generation. Um, so astrology has been a big part of my life. Uh, ever since then. And before then it was um, astronomy. I I was a stargazer and I was hungering for a relationship or connection to the planets. And I was reaching for that through the, this sort of scientific lens, which is, I think is no less wondrous than the astrological one, but I found astrology by chance when uh, looking for astronomy uh, books. And this, I, I, it was kind of like the answer of a call. It was like, this is what I think I've been looking for, but I didn't know how to describe it and didn't yet know what it uh, was. So yeah, I, I love astrology. I'm obsessed with it. It's taken over my life. I've pushed it away and it's come back a few times over the last few decades because once you get to know it, uh, it can be a bit spooky. (laughs) It can be a bit fearsome at times. And I, uh, you know, sun in Capricorn, I, I take uh, things seriously and felt the weight of the responsibility of it. And uh, sometimes it kind of freaked me out, but it keeps coming back. So I've fully surrendered uh, now at this point in my life. So uh, yeah, my former like job uh, was uh, a hairstylist so I honed a lot of conversations about astrology over the years with folks in my chair. So I've always kind of been doing a few things at once while I do what I love. Um, and yeah, there's an artistic connection to astrology uh, for me because uh, I'm also an artist and a musician and I like to kind of, and a weaver. So I say this a lot, weaving. I I like to kind of take things that seem disparate and weave them together and show the relationship and the interconnectedness. And I feel like astrology and its various branches are um, a really excellent way to do that, an amazing uh, way to see the world and to show how things are interrelated and interconnected within and without, uh, above and below if that makes sense. 
So our topic for today is focusing on planetary remediation or remediation as a technique to perhaps appease or boost certain placements in our chart. Um, but maybe you could give a more thorough <laughs> explanation of your understanding of planetary remediation. Debbie. Yeah, well, I mean, what you said, that that is the idea. Um, it's a concept and a set of practices that I got introduced to uh, years ago, um, learning uh, yoga and Ayurveda and uh, learning about uh, Indian astrology or Vedic astrology. Uh, this culture and tradition uh, up to this date has the most intact um, you know, uh, group or in, in interrelated practices for astrological remediation. And in that tradition, um, they call the planets the Navagraha or the Grahas. The planets are these like uh, energetic deities and Graha means to hold or to seize and they have a hold on us uh, in our lives. And some of them, as we know, as we experience, uh, have a gentle and supportive hold on us. And others might feel like they have a bit of a restrictive or a stranglehold on us. So when we seek to remediate um, these planetary energies, we're looking at them through our birth chart and how they have been imprinted on us, either uh, uh, karmically or by fate in our current incarnation, and we're hoping to remedy that if we can, um, either by uh, tuning into and having a better relationship and understanding of that planetary energy, doing something to appease it, as you say, or if it's under-functioning or somehow outside of our conscious awareness or difficult to access, we're bringing it back into our conscious awareness and embodiment uh, to have some wholeness. Um, so astrology remediation, it's taken up and it's done with an intimate knowledge of, uh, the birth chart. You can still do remedial practices, planetary remediation. If you don't hundred percent know everything in your birth chart, it can still be helpful, but ideally it's done, um, after studying your birth chart and usually things that you've experienced in your life, uh, emotionally, health-wise, uh, what have you, almost always, as we know, as astrologers, we're going to see some astrological uh, configuration or complex that symbolizes that and attests to that. And our remedial practices want to go into that and unpack it, untangle it, cleanse it and clarify it and, and, and work it out and remediate, mediate it, it as much as we can. So, um, yeah, it's really fascinating. It's, it does overlap a lot with magic and magical practices, but it is different in its intent um, and in practice. Because if we're practicing, say, um, you know, planetary magic, we're electing a time to ensoul 
matter that has an, a particular affinity with the planetary energy that we'd like to kind of call into our lives and have working more powerfully for us. But remediation is dealing with our, our, our body and our self as it is a talismanic uh, being, how these planetary energies have come to imprint upon us and, and, and working out that um, from within. And some of the practices are internal and, and internal visualizations. Maybe they're uh, psychotherapeutic in some way or they're external like actions and things that we do in the outer world to try and appease and smooth and balance our relationship and connection to these planetary energies. So it's adjacent to magic. It's, um, I think it's a good uh, support and practice to prepare the magician. I feel like if you work with your chart in a remedial way and you understand it intimately and you comb out and you soothe and balance and feed and harmonize what's going on in your own kind of talismanic embodiment before you even endeavor to do magical works, this could set you up to be in a more grounded or um, organized or healthy position to receive what could be some very high voltage energies that you're inviting into your life, like through the talisman or through petition. And especially with petition, because if we want to approach, you know, a powerful planet, you know, a graha, and we want to say, hey, can you give me this? Can you help me with that? <laughs> If we have taken up a remedial practice for a time, we're already tuning in and developing a relationship with that planet so that we arrive with some connection for our ask, and it may even clarify how or what we might ask for once we get to uh, the ritual or to the working. And I would even wonder if deep remedial practices might um, help to untangle and heal a lot in our embodiment and in our lives so that maybe we don't necessarily need a talisman but a talisman will just come in and and, and maybe augment that and and add to our wonder and quality of life so that we're not externally dependent on creating or crafting something that we uh, have to have but that we can have some set sense of like peace or inner harmony or wholeness that comes from our um, remedial practices. So these are something that we could even take on as like uh, body care or health care or mental health care or um, anything that we do daily to, to care for our body. We can do that in light of what we need to care for with our various planetary uh, connections. And what is your best example in working with either a client's chart or your own natal chart of doing this remedial work, Debbie? Well, it's like examples. They're mostly like uh, personal examples, um, doing uh, solar remediation um, and some mercury remediation. Um, the examples are things like... Um, identifying like what are solar substances, colors, practices, actions, um, and 
doing those on the sun's day or the sun's hour to invite the solar into uh, my embodiment and stoke that up and make it more uh, present and all of the ways that that could filter through like mind, uh, body and soul experience of, of the solar in my life. So it might be kind of uh, fun if folks are interested to maybe just start um, from the beginning and kind of like talk about like how that might work, like knowing what it is, how would we begin to identify what needs remediating, like what, what are we like, um, like when would be a good time, like that kind of thing, if you want to go through it like that, or, or if you have questions about that. I, I think the beginning is a great place to start. Yeah. Our audience would definitely love <laughs> for you to start from the beginning, for sure. Yeah. So is well, that identifying how to identify <laughs> if something needs yeah. remediating? Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things I'll say, like like I said, like this, these practices have been introduced to me um, years ago through... Uh, the Indian traditions and arts that I've explored, but some of the great um, teaching and clarification and the way that a lot of this has come together in a really meaningful and useful understanding to me as of late is by studying with Austin Kopic. So, so much credit um, goes uh, to him for what I'll share with you. And I would love to direct people to uh, his courses, studying with him, uh, he has a wealth of experience, and in our chat today, I, I will only be able to give you tasters and teasers, but at least I will um, be able to help you uh, get set up with some of the foundational principles because, first of all, I'll say it's very, very interesting to me, and I'm sure it is, it sounds like it will be for the listeners and for all of you here, is that we're really good at reading birth charts, and endlessly fascinated by it. But ultimately what we um, find is a lot of information and diagnostic, but then we go, well, what do we do about that? Oh no, you're telling me Saturn's in its joy and the 12th opposing uh, my Mercury and T-squaring my moon. Whoa, <laughs> that sounds bad. Like, what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> and you may already know what that feels like and how that's showing up for you health-wise with perhaps with anxiety, with what, but what can you do about it? And because, you know, we love astrology and astrology's traditions and, you know, working with magic, uh, many of us identifying as uh, witches, like we want to feel like we're more connected to nature, the cycles of nature, and to know that many of us who are of a European uh, heritage, this is, this is in our tradition. We've just been kind of separated from it along the way. Like I said, it takes a bit of a magical worldview to shift your thinking into why this could be possible. What psycho-spiritual mechanisms are working here to make this actually uh, healing and helpful? Because, you know, talk therapy, psychotherapy, modern medicine has come into the center of how we deal with a lot of our uh, suffering now. And from that scientific lens, it's 
kind of interrupted how we could be um, connected to why and how uh, this could work and enjoying how, how this could work. So, so yeah, it's like we read the chart and we find out all of this stuff and then it's like, well, what can we do about it? So I've been on a quest to really know these things like uh, how can I do magical working? How can I understand the, the relationship between plants and planets to enhance herbalism? Like how can I uh, tell you what your basic temperament is and see how you can care for that? And what are practices and things that you can take on and enact in your life to help you work with the planetary energies as they've showed up in your life, how they've been stamped on you, how they've been imprinted on you in this ensoulment. So, um, yeah, so it's important uh, to know the why. And I think that we got, got a good idea of like what it is. So it's like, yeah, how do you find out what needs help? So it's basically things like, um, the same way that we assess, um, you know, uh, dignities, uh, falls, debilities, exiles, um, angular or not angular placements in the chart, these are going to start giving you clues as to how these planets are functioning or non-functioning. Are they balanced? Are they erratic? Um, this sort of thing. So you know, you've already probably come to wanting to remediate a certain planet because you've identified through signification, this planet seems to be a bit of an issue for me. It's like Saturn stuff is showing up in a really harsh way, or Mars stuff has become very unmanageable, or Venus stuff is a bit of a source of heartache. So it seems that the planets actually, surprisingly, that have a lot of essential dignity, like being in their domicile, these planets could be often a great source of excessive energy. These are the planets that can get uh, overbearing, uh, overwhelming, out of control in some instances. If they're out of sect, maybe there's something going on there where they've got a lot of dignity, but they're not really in their sect and they're kind of like, you know, uh, amped up and a little troublesome. It makes me think about the birth chart like being uh, a garden and all of the planets or like the various plants that you need for sustenance in that garden. And so like a, 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 a planet that has a whole lot of essential dignity is the plant that's set up in the garden to get the best sunlight. It's got all the water. It's got all the nutrients. It's very fruitful and easy to access. Um, but at the same time, there might be something really overbearing and invasive about that uh, plant. It could be crowding out uh, the others. It could be shadowing out uh, what the others need. So this is a planet that you might want to work with in a way that you want to quell it or maybe pacify it or maybe figure out what it's trying to do uh, through house position or rulership and figure out a more appropriate way to direct or channel it, if that makes sense. So sometimes having something that is really highly dignified is maybe just more is not necessarily better. It's just a whole lot. 
if that makes sense. And then, you know, um, planets that, you know, tend to have essential dignity that comes through, um, say, like exaltation or like triplicity. Uh, it's in a nice house. Like this is a planet that could be a great source of strength, but it's not necessarily going to be as like, you know, overbearing. You're chuckling. Does somebody have one like that in their chart? <laughs> <laughs> just makes me think of my 12th house son in Leo. Uh, yeah. 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 I didn't want to interrupt. Keep going. I'm no, loving no, this. No. <laughs> yeah. And then of course the ones that might need a little bit of encouraging or building up or, or feeding uh, as um, Austin likes to say, and I think that's great. Uh, the cancer rising folks, <laughs> we love to feed and nurture. So um, it's, feeding you could think about that tenderly um tending to this little plant plant planet that's like struggling it's trying to come up out of the dirt understanding its nature what is it trying to unfurl and grow into and become but it's set up in a tough spot like it's got it's on rocky terrain it doesn't have a lot of minerals it, it doesn't get a lot of light and it's trying to do something but it needs some help Maybe it needs to be relocated. Maybe it needs to be nourished. Maybe that big overbearing plant needs to be trimmed back a little bit so this one can, can come up. And then what's interesting is that um, we need to kind of go in then and sort of comb out and clean out and clarify what's going on there. Because we might think, say that there's a planet that's quite quite active in that ecology we, it might present as certain issues and certain problems, but maybe part of the issue is actually coming from the inactivity of another planet and its symptomology, if you like, is showing up in a way that is maybe a little bit confusing. So for remediation, it's really good to engage with these um, planetary energies by first uh, clarifying and um, cleaning around uh, that energy, spending time with it on the day and the hour, um, you know, sitting with it, visualizing, meditating, uh, what have you, and observing and starting to notice um, a little bit more precisely, like uh, what's going on. So it's a lot of introspection and a lot of self-work and a lot of experimentation, but it's great because then we'll have the chart as a map so that we can um, land in a more accurate location when we're doing the work. Like we've identified, uh-oh, I think this is something going on here, where in other um, modalities, we might be talking for a long time around a topic and as we circle down uh, toward it. But the great thing about working with the astrology chart is we can get uh, to that area uh, potentially really quickly and learn from the symbols and the archetypes and the other inter aspects that are occurring. And they can inspire us to design remedial practices in a kind of a creative, um, we can be cre quite uh, creative about this and respond to um, what the planetary energies and say the sign archetypes inspire. I wonder if it would be helpful to clarify, you know, the different practices that you might use for remedial work versus 
you mentioned petitions earlier in magic. I know a lot of people, I think thanks to the, um, the blossoming and proliferation, if that's the right word, of Sphere and Sundry, for example, a lot of people are conversant and equipped with, say, the Orphic hymns, and they'll often, you know, read the hymn to the planet. Is that an example of a petition and of actually courting that planetary energy for a specific goal? Or could that also be a way to tune into that planetary frequency and do remedial work? That's, that's just one example, but I wonder if we might draw yeah. the line a bit more clearly for people. Yeah. What, what is an example of each? Yeah, I think um, planetary uh, chanting, planetary mantras and, you know, hymns or prayers um, or uh, invocations, even those are ways to tune into the planetary energy. But you will go further to petition if you start to ask for something like, now that you're here and I've got your attention, now that I've got you on the line, can you give me this? <laughs> give me something. Like, um, so that is, I think, is where the line is drawn. It's like we want to um, feel that planetary energy, tune into that planetary energy, sit with it, honor it. But if we go further and start to ask for something or craft something, that's when we're um, doing like a working where we're really pulling that uh, energy down. Now it can be a little confusing because obviously the asks, the petitions, um, you know, and the talismans will bring really good things into our lives that can have remedial and helpful effects. Um, but I feel like the two, yeah, that's a really good way to like talk about how that uh, practice could could diverge and be a little bit different. It's a little bit different in the focus and intent and you're, and you're going further into um, creating something once you start to ask or in soul. So I think those like lovely uh, magical material products, um, people have them in their lives to help and they soothe and they do um, remediate obviously to some extent, but, the person who's creating them is doing a different thing. They're not remediating. They're, they're doing planetary magic and uh, crafting around that. Mm -hmm. Is that helpful or does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does make sense. And I think it, I will, I would imagine by extension of that, if you had some of this material and then you devised your own working and used, say you burned the Jupiter incense mm. in, in say a loose Jupiter incense in the, in the shape of the sigil of Jupiter and asked for something in particular, um, dressed as the Byzantine Christian or something. No, I'm joking. But like, if you, <laughs> if you um, did your own, you could still do your own working, I would imagine with other material and it would be considered planetary magic with that, with, would you say that's true or is it really the the incarnation like the initial installment of the of the magic sorry oh yeah yeah absolutely like if someone has magically crafted materials that you are then using in your own uh magical works yeah that's totally and i think that that's probably um the hope and the idea with um 
creating those beautiful, um, you know, <laughs> I don't want to call them products, but you know what I mean? These, these lovely jewels. Yeah. Yeah. So, but then you would be doing your own magical work if you were creating your own. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you were gathering oils and say solar herbs and you were doing a ritual and you were calling in the sun mm-hmm. at the right time uh, when the sun was really fruitful and in, in good uh, essential dignity and, and you're calling that in and you're, you're putting it in and fumigating it and sealing the deal, then you've created something uh, mm-hmm. talismanic and you there might be something like kind of nice and uh, remedial about doing that because you're learning something along the way as you go. But that's, again, there is that distinction between the, the crafting and creating and ensouling an object or dealing with your body as like an ensouled um, object and working with the planetary energies um, within and then how they appear in your life. Yeah. Yeah. And it's good to have this conversation because it's something that's like, if it floats around in my internal awareness and understanding, it's like, I feel what the distinction is, but it's, it's, it's great to like really stretch to, to define that. Maybe we could use an example. And I think it's interesting, you know, it's, it seems to me it's one technique to start with the birth chart and to see, oh, you know, this planet might need a boost or this planet might need some elevation or some um, some feeding. Um, but I think another approach to that too is hearing from a client what's going wrong or what isn't working and then yeah. doing the diagnosis, looking, okay, well, maybe that's rooted to this signature in the chart. And I, I do have an example of this from a reading uh, couple months ago and the client the clients one of their main uh, preoccupations in the reading was they just they were finding it really hard to um, promote abundant income flow in their chosen work and mm-hmm. they you know they'd they'd had a lot of success and a lot of visibility in in certain ways but they just it seemed like constantly a struggle to, to just create that, that abundance in a very material, financial, regular, sustained income sense. And sure enough, the client did have Saturn in the second house, which we associate with, with earnings, with money. And Saturn is a planet that we associate with restriction and want. So uh, my first thought what was indeed, aha, I wish I had taken Austin's <laughs> um, Austin's level two class, uh, astrology class, because I know that he focuses on remediation. But that's part of, for me anyway, part of my inspiration for, um, for us ch- chatting about this today, because I hate that feeling of, um, as an astrologer, not not knowing how to help. It's like, yeah, you do have Saturn in the second. I see what's wrong here, (laughs) but how do we, how do we appease that Saturn or how do we promote some of that abundance? So let's take that example. How, how might you suggest that that client, for instance, or anybody who's perhaps seeking to build abundance in their life, how might they either appease that Saturn placement or else perhaps 
um, beckon in some Jupiter or what have you? Yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's all like something that you'd want um, to consider. Like, first of all, it's important to manage expectations for remediation. Um, and that's probably why we have uh, talismans. <laughs> because if there's a certain promise um, in the birth chart, there's only so far, at least by theory, we can go to remediate uh, someone's like fate or destiny with the relationship of that planet. These are things that we might have to care for and tend to um, our whole lives and it may never actually 100% get better or go exactly the way that we would hope. It might be something that we always have to have some patience and acceptance with. Um, so it's important um, to know that so that when we are helping people, we're helping them work with it in a way that, you know, could feel better and that it improves and it's at least um, an improvement. Um, it's so, because I would want to be able to take all of that away from them. I'd want to be like, that sucks. I see how hard you're working. Like, let's get rid of that. And maybe um, for astromages beyond my ability, maybe there is a secret. <laughs> But um, yeah, so I just wanted to speak um, to that. And yes, and to sort of look, keep always looking at the chart uh, holistically and remember that Saturn's ruling over other houses too. see like how that, that could be playing out in other areas of life and how that might be feeding into the complex around money problems are, are weighty and troublesome. Is that Saturn making any other inter-aspects? Like what if that there's a square with the sun? So maybe they're getting some constriction around earning that might be also related to their, their visibility and showing up in the world confidently. So the sun might need a little bit of help too, especially if we're gonna start tooling around and working with and perhaps building uh, or remediating one planet, there could be a cascade or domino effect that will re-up and activate a difficult um, aspect that it's making to some other part of the chart. So checking to see if there isn't any um, parallel remediation that could be going on in relation to Saturn. And then identifying like what is happening with uh, Saturn. Um, is it overactive? Like, is this a really big highly dignified big boss Saturn that's just Saturning too much, like putting too much uh, weight and constriction and a heavy sense of responsibility on the person. Um, so they just feel like money is just so much of a burden and, you know, something's going on there. Is this an underactive Saturn? Like, is it a lack of like focus or a lack of structure? Do we need to kind of feed it and, and, and help it uh, function in a better way. And then combing all of that out, then you can start to kind of get to what um, the remedial practice might look like. And always remembering that Saturn, of course, is a malefic. So we need to, um, you know, be careful because if we 
are building Saturn up. We want to make sure that we're not exacerbating the problem and, and, and potentially um, making it worse. So this is something too, it's like, cause I was going to say like things like invocations and chanting, um, sound resonance that's connected to Saturn on Saturn's day could be a great way to start to tune into Saturn in its essence uh, for that person to, to commune and to, to cleanse and start to correct like what is going on with the Saturn relationship. Um, and then selecting things like in that sonic experience that are maybe appropriate to what we need to do with the Saturn. Are we um, amping up and complimenting and pushing Saturn over the edge to become even more of a burden if it's already quite overbearing and strong? We might need to select uh, mantras that are a little bit more soothing and, and, and calming. And then we would also want to maybe explore um, you know, medicine by antipathy, like, cause we know that Saturn brings coldness and stagnation. Saturn being malefic is against uh, life. It's always working at to kind of cool and constrict um, uh, life, which we know wants to be warm and wants to be uh, damp and fertile and fruitful. So um, we could be working with, um, warming herbals, warming um, meditations, warming physical practices, and using perhaps um, solar colors to kind of uh, draw in the solar into our visualization and into our embodiment to help us kind of lift, be lifted up or feel, feel less beleaguered. There could be uh, Saturnian gems, like I remember one class example, um, onyx, uh, a a black and dark and somewhat absorptive gem could be worn to kind of draw or pull in some of that uh, intense Sat Saturnian energy or kind of clean up some of the energetics around the Saturn blockage. Um, yeah, so it's going to be things that are kind of multi-layered, like one thing might not be the, the thing uh, to do it. Like, I feel like as much of the senses and experiences that we can bring into the remedial practice, the more of a deep uh, psychic imprint this can make. We want to feel it in our body. We want to hear it. Uh, we want to maybe smell it in the incense or even in aromatherapy. We want to wear it, um, you know, Saturnian colors to like uh, connect with the Saturn principle. And so maybe we're, we're starting to learn as we come to understand Saturn and sit with Saturn, meditate on Saturn, chant to Saturn, we're starting to actually kind of understand what Saturn is and what Saturn might be asking of us. And are there ways that we can work with Saturnian energies that are constructive? Like, is this uh, intensity and constriction that I have around money is it because I'm taking like a whole lot of, of extra care and worry for something that actually ends up squashing the uh, affair when maybe that uh, structure and organization of Saturn could be used in a more supportive uh, way if I shift my uh, perspective? And these are the things that we'll hope to discover along the way with exploring 
and drawing in Saturnian um, things into the practice. And then one of the really powerful ways that we can begin to shift, um, you know, the, the energetic uh, around the planet is uh, charity, acts of service, giving of ourselves, our energy, our, our time, and our resources, like donating if we have the money or donating according to our means to um, causes or charities that care for the children of Saturn, like who are Saturnian people? And as astrologers, we know these are elderly people, uh, maybe people that have uh, mobility uh, issues, uh, maybe people who don't have homes, um, you know, people that are on the fringes of society or they're forgotten, uh, untouchable in some way, to use a, a term, um, so developing a relationship with Saturn's children and, and giving to them and caring for them. And if it's a, if it's a money issue, that could be very interesting because hmm, like I know in the Christian t tradition and other traditions, there is a, a spiritual practice of reciprocity that can help uh, money and energy uh, and resources flow in our lives. Like, are we hanging on to our resources so hard and so tight out of a sense of, like, security that maybe we're not feeling gratitude? We feel a lot of fear about what it is that we have. Maybe we could start giving back uh, in the ways that we're able to, to kind of get that energy exchange and that reciprocity going uh, around the financial matters. There's some of the things I'd be thinking about. So helping out elderly people, uh, helping out the homeless, giving some money, um, maybe even timing that donation to come out of the account automatically at the Saturnian hour on the Saturnian day. Um, yeah, that those are those are some examples. So kind of layering it all up, like maybe having a like a personal meditative or chanting practice, um, working with some herbals that remediate intense Saturn maybe wearing some of the colors or the gems of Saturn to kind of hone and cleanse and focus the Saturnian energy. And then thinking about how um, to work with and be of help to Saturn's children. Cause that, if we were thinking about Saturn as a person, um, Saturn could be really pleased with that. Wow. Thank you <laughs> for caring for my children that would probably butter up Saturn a little bit more like, Hey, maybe you're not such a brat and I don't need to bear down on you as hard. And what lovely things you could discover along the way. Like if you feel like you're lacking or finances are restricted and then you go to help Saturn's children and you see what that really can look like in its worst case scenario, it might shift your uh, perspective around it. Uh, I would think. Yeah. So now I'm kind of going on a bit of a, like a free association playing with those ideas, but this is, I hope you're getting, um, I hope you're getting the idea and I hope that's helpful and please um, push back or answer or ask more questions if it's not. <laughs> it's like wonder about that in our society, right? It's like, we're really scared of Saturn. We have a lot of difficulty with that. Like, saying no or limitation or 
um, I'm speaking very generally, and I think we're getting a really strong uh, dose of the Saturnian this year and its realities and the ways that we're facing mortality. So another thing with our remediation is we might want to know uh, when to remediate. And because, you know, all these planets are in a Saturnian sign this year and will be next year too, um, and many of us, <laughs> with a lot of cardinal, uh, have been going through the ringer with um, Saturn and the gang, the cardinal gang. So this could be a really good time, like to work deeply and intimately with um, Saturn and remediating the stuff that's going on with Saturn in our lives as much as we can. Because at least it could be empowering. It's like, it, like I'm really going off on Saturn right now, but I got to. I'm a Capricorn. <laughs> I'm a child of Saturn to some extent. So Saturn, the Papa, Mama Saturn, I want to do proud. But anyway, um, one of the greatest teachings, I want to share a few things about Saturn, like that I received um, is Saturn is one of these things that, it's this planetary force that feels very heavy and it feels very weighty, especially if we experience it as something outside of us that is bearing down on us. It's like we have this relationship that Saturn's kicking us in the butt, Saturn's holding us down. But ultimately, Saturn is one of the most um, spiritual of all of the visible planets. Like it's out on the threshold you know, with, with the stars, the fixed stars, like it is the closest to the, the, the divine. It's one of the slowest moving planets. So it is working something in our lives that is definitely, um, you know, of use, but if we engage with it in a fearful and begrudging way, we might be missing the way that it's strengthening us or helping us to develop fortitude densifying our bones, um, improving our resiliency, our determination, our resourcefulness, all of those things that we've had to uh, tap into this year. So one of the greatest teachings that I received is when you're receiving a really strong Saturn transit, not to experience Saturn as being something outside of you that's happening to you, but how can you take in and embody and become Saturn like what part of what part of your life is Saturn asking you to to be more Saturn um, with so years ago when I was experimenting with Saturn remediation like having a Saturn uh, transit through my sixth house I was really scared I was really worried about it and um, I just worked with uh, Saturn practices by inviting more discipline into my um, daily rituals and more discipline into my daily care and became one with that Saturn transit. And that was helpful. That had a remedial effect for sure. If that makes sense. There's also a really cool book one could read on the topic of Saturn and Saturn remediation. If folks are interested, I love it. It's one of my favorites. It's called the greatness of Saturn, uh, the therapeutic myth by Dr. Svoboda. And you read this therapeutic myth at times when Saturn is really heavy and bearing down on you. And by the time you get to the end of the story, you're a little bit more at peace with 
Saturn. And at the back of the book, there's a lot of great uh, stories that relate to little therapeutic myths that relate to all of the uh, planets that you might want to work with, gemstone recommendations, um, all sorts of things. So it, it, it's, it's a, a great book if uh, folks are interested. Had any of you read it or heard of it? No. I'm getting it though. I have Saturn on the ascendant. Oh, <laughs> my friend. Yeah. You, you, you look like Saturn incarnate. Yeah, I just want to say for the audience, you're wearing a black turtleneck, a black jean jacket. You're holding up this book of Saturn and you're a Capricorn. <laughs> you actually look like a living, you do, you look like a, a Saturn talisman. Exactly. <laughs> well, Saturn... Lord Saturn, who's been sitting in my 12th, uh, activated by uh, Time Lord this year. <laughs> I'm hanging in there and doing my duty. And um, th But this is really interesting, right? Because like, going back to, like, we've identified what we want to remediate and why and when is really important. Um, so, you know, you could layer all of these things up to kind of see like when is a really good opportune time to to work with a certain um, planet like for me for instance uh planet saturn has been co-present my sun and jupiter since uh 2017 mm -hmm. i'm a melancholic temperament i'm in the melancholic mid-age of life so i've got a saturn transit on my little melancholic embodiment at a very melancholic time, <laughs> right? And then by, by Time Lord, I'm in a Mercury perfection because my 12th house is Gemini. So Mercury needed some, some support and help this year because Mercury was holding down a lot. And then Saturn is activated by um, perfection. So I'm getting it like at all um, levels and i'm really excited about the shift at the end of the year but <laughs> this is what you could could start to converge around seeing like what planet might you might want to work with in a remedial way because it's um showing up heavily or it is your time lord that year and it's going to be supporting a lot and holding down a lot um, and then transits are coming along to exacerbate a planet in your birth chart that needs some remediation and help to hold up what's uh, coming by transit. And then those can give you clues as to the timing for the remediation. Like um, if I know that, say, Mercury's a time lord for a whole year, um, on uh, Mercury's day, it could be really great to do some of these Mercury practices, maybe for the entire year, because Mercury is holding up a lot. Mercury is holding up the quality of time, the way time is experienced or felt, um, and also the activities that are being, say, called on me in a Mercury perfection uh, to do. And um, yeah, so timing, you can, you can, it's being received by transit activated by time lord and uh the timing can have a lot to do with how long is that transit um lasting and um you could even just pick um auspicious numbers and pick weeks that are related to an auspicious number of that planet too if you wanted to do that if you're just sort of tuning in and um 
there isn't necessarily like a crisis <laughs> or something really um, acute going on. Um, yeah. But I hope that's making sense. Are you planning on teaching remediation in the future, Debbie? Oh, gosh. I would love to. I, I feel like I need to tinker around and experiment with it a bit more. I received mm -hmm. so, so many um, jewels and clarification uh, this year with uh, Austin. And um, it's part of why I wanted to make sure I did a good job today. Oh, you did a great <laughs> oh, job. You did a great, really did a great job. I know I see often, you know, he's expressed a little bit of um, a lament or concern, like he's really trying to help clarify like what remediation is. Cause I think it's become like a bit of a buzzword at some times where people say, Oh, I'm remediating, but knowing what you're doing when you're remediating and understanding where um, that's happening uh, with your intent and your focus and your practices can be really helpful. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'd love to, um, you know, I'm tinkering around with things like, you know, yoga practices that are prescriptive based on like what your uh, remediation needs are. Mm. Like, uh, yeah, there's like a lot that's in the incubator right now that I'm I'm playing you're, around. With. You're making associations with the different body parts and yoga practices. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. this is something like with my partner, for instance, we been talking about because I'm tuning him into this idea of remediation and working collaboratively like I can diagnose it and then I can tear yeah. the little page and hand it over to the yogi shaman to yeah. fill your prescription now I can give you gems and herbs and yeah. he'll tell you how to go on a, an embodiment journey perhaps with the planets like right. the asanas I think you know originally there's a lot of evidence that they were used uh shamanically like you're actually taking the shape of the warrior and mm. asana to sit in the shape of the warrior and and feel what is that like how is that psycho spiritually altering your uh embodiment which could be an excellent remediation for someone who's having mars issues right. it's like maybe you need to have that in the narrative arc of your asana practice to be in the warrior shape and meditate on the warrior shape and tap into what that is um, to hone and focus Mars if it's maybe uh, erratic or deficient mm -hmm. or if it's overbearing and it needs a place to go, it hasn't had appropriate uh, channel. So what's the Saturn shape? <laughs> well, I feel like Saturn, <laughs> well, Hey, I mean, I think when we describe like, um, certainly in the greatness of Saturn talks about Saturn shape. Um, Saturn's often very uh, thin and spare and whittled down by the ravages of time and the elements. Saturn can be stooped. Uh, Saturn might have a limp. Saturn might have some mobility impairment. So it's not necessarily like a body condition that we would want to <laughs> aspire to because it's a lot of pain and suffering and stiffness in that body shape. But I would certainly think doing contemplative things like sitting in meditation, being quiet, right. effective. Um, With straight yeah. posture. <laughs> yeah. Well, what about mountain? I feel like, I mean, that's my Oh, very true. Well, there you go. 
But this is the cool thing is that I think when we think about that, like, okay, well, what's Saturn like? What's, what sign is it in? So what kind of archetypal theme or landscape is it working with? We can start to get really like uh, creative and co-creative and craft the way that we want to um, move or be or practice in the world to invite a more like loving, loving or holistic or helpful relationship with that planetary energy. So yeah, it's a mountain, that's super Saturnian and being in it. I think staying, staying in the pose too. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know that in yoga circles, it's really invigorating to be constantly flowing and moving in and out of the asanas. But asanas, they're meant to be uh, stayed in. Like you sit in them and you meditate and there's evidence from the old pictures uh that these yogis sat in these asanas for a long time, like really marinating in them. And I feel like it, Jasmine's asking about like, what would a Saturn shape be? It would be like, I think the Saturn way to be in that shape would be to stay in it with commitment, with focus, with resolve, and maybe visit it again and again and really hone your relationship with um, that asana. Or like I said, uh, reflection introspection, meditation, being still, sur- surrendering um, your awareness and your consciousness uh, and being like laying down, even being uh, prostrate or even dead body pose. Yeah. <laughs> dead body Masana. Masana. That's very Saturn. That's like, yeah. I lay my whole embodiment down to go back to disintegrate into the elements. We pay our ultimate debt for for taking a life and taking an embodiment is eventually this flesh will just be ground down by the Saturnian elements and fed back to all of nature. Now, isn't that a (laughs) statement? (laughs) On that light note. (laughs) Yeah, making your peace peace with that. But the beauty of astrology is that we see that everything is cyclic. Once you lay down and surrender, something almost always is reborn. And mm-hmm. there's a way to reemerge, like our beautiful Phoenix uh, image that we see here with Jasmine. There's a way to, to bring a new energy and a new relationship out of the, the ashes of what sometimes needs to be clarified or burned away or, or surrendered, um, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I wonder if before we before we um, wind to a conclusion, I wonder if you could share about how your your plant practices weave in to your remedial work or to your magical work or to simply your daily your daily work. Um, well, I've been kind of um, working a lot and writing a lot and lately I wouldn't say that I'm in the best uh, balance with my practices to be perfectly honest but I do love to do a little bit of yoga every day. I do enjoy um, bringing in the chants of the planets on the planetary hour in the morning or sometime during the day to honor it just to have a light attunement with all of them um yeah and i'm not i wouldn't say like i'm actively 
uh, remediating anything at this very moment, but I did do some mercury remediation and some solar remediation earlier in the year. Uh, the solar remediation involved um, gazing at a golden candle. Uh, I think the practice is called Tritaka, where you gaze at like a beeswax or ghee candle to invite uh, solar light in. Um, practicing Surya Namaskar to um, evoke the solar. This was back in the spring, especially when things were really getting uh, heavy and I could feel the solar principle in me starting to get quite like um, depressed. And I crafted a little uh, solar amulet, which was really interesting. On the sun's exaltation, I made like a solar uh, oil and a herbal blend that I put in this little uh, satchel and I wore it around my neck over my uh, heart. It was an idea I got from reading um, uh, Blagrave's um, herbal, it's, it's really interesting. It's like a real window into a time where um, health and magic seem really interconnected, mm -hmm. that this is in you know, our history, our heritage. So yeah, it was a golden color, uh, chanting to Surya, Surya Namaskar, and wearing this little um, solar herbal uh, satchel I found was um, quite uplifting and got me through uh, a particularly difficult time. And then the mercury remediation, I found that um, ingesting and taking in uh, mercury's herbs were really helpful. Some of them are Jupiterian uh, herbs. So there was a bit of uh, medicine by antipathy, like uh, lemon balm, it's Jupiterian. So it was really soothing um, to any anxiety or digestive issues. Uh, lavender is very uh, mercurial, helping to soothe anxiety. The scent and the fragrance of lavender was really helpful for um, clarifying all of this mercury tangling and intensity and tangling. <laughs> I found that weaving actually, mm. as I mentioned at the beginning, is like this tactile combing of yarns and threads and sorting things out with my hands. I felt really helped to steady my mind. Um, and then what was the other thing I was doing? Um, yeah, but you get the idea. It's sort of like just inviting these like little practices into kind of hone and uh, focus that energy and consider it and work with it and think about it. So where can people find you, Debbie, especially if they want a remediation reading? Oh, well, my current website is um, modern-mystic.com. Um, people reach out on Instagram quite often, holistic mm -hmm. underscore astrology. I'm erratically, sporadically on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I pop on to say something ridiculous and leave. <laughs> Kestrel, where can people find you, my dear? Yes. So people can find me at kestrelneathawk.com or on Instagram at kessaroo. And how about you ladies? How about us, Eliza? <laughs> We're at cosmictonic.com or at cosmictonic on Instagram and at cosmic underscore tonic on Twitter. Yeah. And Debbie's site again was modern 
modern-mystic.com. That's correct. Yeah. So if anyone wants to book a reading with Debbie, go to that site. Oh yeah, and I'm also <laughs> doing these, I'm also doing these YouTube weekly forecasts. Oh, yes. Mercury Sagittarius style. <laughs> so what should people search on YouTube to find you? Debbie Stapleton Astrology. Okay. Okay. And we would like to thank everyone for being here and we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.